Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 887-381-3811-887-381. What did I say? 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Sorry. It's probably a pizza place. Don't call the other one. There's a uh, wonderful piece in the City Journal by Harry Stein, Spring 2019, The Red Decade Redo. And I want to get into this with you because it, uh, it really cuts across so much of what's going on in this country. And as I give you a few excerpts from this piece, you've been watching the media this weekend, you've been watching the Sunday shows, you've been watching the vicious interrogation of the president, rude reporters interrupting him, all pushing the same agenda, whether it's immigration or climate change and so forth. What I try to get across in Unfreedom of the Press, and you'll notice the cover is red for a reason is that this is a very, very, very dangerous thing the media in this country are doing. And then, of course, being progressives, hardcore leftists, they attack people who disagree with them, whether it's certain hosts on Fox, whether it's me, whatever it is. It's not enough to engage. It's not enough to debate. They wish to destroy. And this has been a long-time practice of the left. And it's happening in the media today. So in this piece, Harry Stein writes about Eugene Lyons, who, by the way, happens to be in my book, too, in a book he wrote in 1941 called The Red Decade. And he writes in part, looking back from a time when, according to surveys, more millennials would rather live under socialism than capitalism. It's apparent that author Eugene Lyons was documenting not just a historical moment in 1941, but also a species of historical illiteracy, as unchanging as it is poisonous. It's utopianism able to flourish only at the expense of independent thought, as I also wrote in in Ameritopia. On a range of issues, alternative views were defined as not merely mistaken, but morally reprehensible. And among the elites who dominated the cultural sphere, deviants from approved opinion were subject to special abuse. Of course, having lived and worked in Soviet Russia, Lyons made distinctions about relative abuses of power. Under Stalinism, dissidents were liquidated or vanished into the gulag. The American left can only liquidate careers and disappear reputations. It's not surprising that during those desperate depression years, the program of the Communist Party USA would have held such wide appeal, especially among the young. Who else stood up 
so adamantly or at all against Jim Crow, who stood so fearlessly on the front lines with labor against the power of rapacious big business capitalism? What other party spoke so passionately for peace and justice? Soviet Russia was nothing less than the future of humanity. There, all were free and equal. Poverty and oppression banished, and food, lodging, and health care guaranteed. Sound like the Democrat left, folks? As screenwriter Richard Collins would later recall of his time in the party, communism was, for all devotees, a cause of faith and a viewpoint on all phenomena, a one-shot solution to all the world's ills and inequities. I want you to be thinking about what we've talked about over the months, about the media and so forth. As I bounce around in this article, that it was all a colossal fraud was obvious all along, or should have been, for anyone willing to see, Stalin's Russian paradise was a totalitarian horror show, equaled only by Hitler's Third Reich. For all the regime's numerous apologists in the press, led by the New York Times' Walter Duranty, who won the Pulitzer Prize for his efforts, word of the true state of affairs in Russia was not hard to come by, because by the mid-1930s, reports on the Great Famine, the planned execution by starvation of millions of recalcitrant Ukrainian peasants, were too persistent to ignore without sustained effort. Now, we've talked about that, and I've written about this. Remember, the New York Times was behind that. So, too, were those of systematic state thuggery, culminating in the confessions by torture of veteran Bolsheviks in the purge trials of 1937 and 38, and in Spain, in the guise of fighting fascism, the systematic elimination of rival leftist parties by Soviet secret police. And by the time he published The Red Decade, Lyons, a rare journalist, a rare journalist, given to damn the consequences honesty, had come to know his twin subjects exceedingly well. That is, Stalinism and the American liberals, so ready to overlook its savage immorality. Having arrived from Russia as a small child and grown up in the poverty of the Jewish Lower East End, he came of age a committed leftist, And as he he later acknowledged, when he returned to the land of his birth in 1928 as a 30-year-old correspondent for the United Press, his aim was to use the privileged perch to promote the Russian Revolution. It was on this basis that in 1930 he scored a stunning journalistic coup that brought him worldwide recognition. The first ever interview by a Western correspondent with the reclusive Stalin. And to his subsequent shame... He joined other leading reporters and mostly running cover for the regime, including on the famine that slaughtered Ukrainians. I move on. Yet at least as troubling to Lyons as the reality of the Soviet paradise was the refusal to face it that he encountered in America on his return. To the contrary, he ran up against an almost perverse eagerness to embrace every fabrication in its defense— and to cast doubters as hostile to all that was good and true. Stalinist methods, even if even acknowledged, often met with tacit approval. Was it not true that foes of the revolution were plotting on all sides, reactionaries, Trotskyites, other class enemies? And the New York Times' Durante famously summed it up, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yep. That during this depress- these depression years, The legions of starry and steely-eyed included a disproportionate number of what we'd now call millennials was unsurprising. For the idealistic, emotion-driven young 
Hard questions always have easy solutions. And even in good times, there's no competing with the romance of the left. But what Lyons found far more unsettling was the credulity of those in the vanguard of progressive thought, leading figures in academia, entertainment, publishing, media, and the highest councils of government, from New York to Hollywood and everywhere in between. These were the powerful and influential, the men and women who shaped public attitudes and opinion. While among them were many convinced ideologues, more numerous still were the careerists, or those simply following political fashion, sentimental liberals drawn to causes by the magic words, justice, democracy, peace. And Lyons well understood the seductive power of the call for fundamental social transformation. But he also knew, as did few others, that it invariably led to the naming of enemies and the doling out of retribution and to unspeakable moral chaos, and moreover, that it didn't even work. In the Red Decade in 1941, Lyons charted how so many in positions of power and responsibility had come to think and say idiotic and often dangerous things with great seriousness. Again, be thinking of your media. How in America lost such faith in itself and its guiding institutions, leaving capitalism for all its attendant faults under siege as the collectivist ethos gained greater currency. His was a clarion call to sanity and a plea that totalitarianism be seen for what it was before it was too late. And I move on. Over the course of 400 pages, Lyons covers the cultural landscape, alighting in turn upon all the capitals of progressivism, at each point examining the behavior of its most celebrated dozens when it mattered most. There were the men and women of letters, almost all dedicated foremost to status within their own insular universe. Small in number, their impact on a nation's mind is subtle and incalculable, he wrote. They set the styles and not thinking. At one point, he details a petition signed by nearly 150 of the day's most notable writers, artists, and composers, asserting, quote, the weight of evidence established a clear presumption of guilt, unquote, of the Soviet purge defendants and cheering their verdicts as essential to the preservation of progressive democracy. In other words, defending Stalin's genocide. Then there were the professors and administrators at esteemed universities, then as now, given the political correctness in every particular. He wrote college teachers slanted their lessons to match the latest views out of Moscow and met with the communist faction among their students in conspiratorial caucuses. Much as he faults young people for their susceptibility to socialism's appeal, Lyons faults even more the grown-ups observing that views of the young are always crudely colored by undefined emotional urges, which leaves them perfect raw stuff for demagogic molding. The glorification of youth as a modern development puts a premium on lack of experience, mental fuzziness, and intuition as against intelligence and maturity. And now you know why Bernie Sanders is focused on wiping out college debt and college for all. This is what the left does, the Marxist left. Hardly least, there were those in the left-of-center media who habitually assumed the worst about their own country. Well, in America, we executed people for murder and for holding unorthodox political views, as he quotes the New Republic's defense of the Moscow purge trials. But in Russia, they execute people for abusing positions of high responsibility. 
Are official rifle squads of the Cheka any more depressing to the morale of the workers than the hired Cossacks of the American mill towns? Are they any worse than the New York police? Quote, unquote, the New Republic. You hear these parallels today, do you not? When people blame America rather than Iran. Lion's own world of book and magazine publishing was so dominated by leftists that former adherents who turned against the party deemed moral monsters and turncoats could be made essentially to evaporate from mainstream view. He lists no fewer than 30 writers who suffered that fate during the intellectual red terror, including as if to underscore the point for contemporary readers, such now largely forgotten former luminaries as Max Eastman, Joe Dos Passos, James T. Farrell, he includes himself on that list. Because the goal is to blight out opposition. Destroy Fox, destroy talk radio, may I say, destroy me, among others. Another figure who makes a brief appearance in the Red Decade is screenwriter Maury Riskin, and I happen to know his son, Alan. Terrific. An example speaks to the influence that his leftist foes would continue to wield years after the Red Decade's publication, even during the blacklist years of the late 40s and the early 50s. One of the industry's most successful writers, he had numerous credits, running from the Marx Brothers' Animal Crackers and A Night at the Opera to My Man Godfrey and Stage Door. Riskin broke ranks in 1947 by testifying in open session against communist influence in the film industry. In the 12 years prior to my testimony, he'd write in his memoir, I shot an an elephant in my pajamas, I was consistently one of the 10 highest paid writers in Hollywood. I turned down on the average at least three assignments for everyone I accepted, and I feel safe in saying I was welcome at every studio in town. After I testified against the Hollywood 10 communists, I was never again to receive one single offer from any studio. For all the left's capacity to shape opinion in Lyons' time, the power wielded by today's progressives is even more malign, for its heavy hand is all but unconstrained by countervailing forces. For one thing, 70 or 80 years ago, organized religion held much sway in America that even committed leftists understood it could be derided only behind closed doors. And while there were prominent clergymen who fell hard for the progressive line, they usually made sure to do so only as private citizens. Even they would have dismissed as lunacy the possibility that one day not only their congregants but entire religious orders might be widely characterized as dangerous zealots by adhering to traditional beliefs or that agencies of government would compel them to violate their most deeply held spiritual convictions. Even more so, business and industry stood as bulwarks against fundamental threats to the ways Americans thought about themselves and the world. 1930s radicals were realistic enough to seek what he's getting to here is they're devouring our institutions today, which they failed to do, (coughs) excuse me, in the 1930s and 40s, which they failed to do in the 1930s and 40s. And then he makes a point at the end that I've made to you. One of the most striking differences between the world of the 1940s lines described and the one we contend with today It's no longer a tiny, if disproportionately influential political entity waving the left's banner. It's one of two major parties. True enough, the Democrats have long cast themselves as the party that dispossessed. And their policies have steadily moved the country leftward. And it's also the case, as Lyons recounts, that during the New Deal years, leading administration figures like Eleanor Roosevelt 
unknowingly served as props as communist-sponsored events advertised for the uh, unknowing served as props. But today, the Democrat Party is the bulwark for the radical left progressivism. The media, academia, Hollywood, certain religious orders. What does all this mean? I'll explain further when I return. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot Hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. obvious, I think. None of this could be happening without the willing support and, in fact, the promotion of the modern mass media today. And it's all around us. The modern mass media is not a check on big government. It is the Praetorian Guard for big government. The modern mass media is hostile to those who seek to reduce it, contain it, and hold it accountable. And by that, I mean government. They're hostile to those who seek to reduce government, contain government, and hold government accountable. They are exactly, as Lyons wrote about other institutions, and as the City Journal writes about Lyons. That is, they're not about freedom. They're not about speech. They're not about a healthy press. They're the mouthpiece for progressivism, just as the New York Times was the mouthpiece for Stalin. And this is the whole point of unfreedom of the press. The press has gotten away with a great deal, including self-characterization. Not anymore. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse, rejecting the idea of objective truth. They peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, 
It remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Chuck Todd with Trump on Meet the Depressed this weekend. This will explain to you in part how this works. Now, give me the historical perspective. I've gone to unfreedom of the press, which brings it up to speed as well as addresses history of what's going on with the media today. And you're going to see Chuck Todd has an agenda. It's to interrupt the president, make the president look bad, and drive his agenda. Chuck Todd is a Democrat. Chuck Todd's wife is a Democrat. She is a consultant to Democrats. It doesn't matter, because this is the way the modern media work. It's not about a free press. It's not about a free press. It's not about gathering information and presenting it to you, treating you as respectful, intelligent citizens who can draw your own conclusions. It's about ramming their agenda down your throat. Perfect example. Cut four. Go. You think they were trying to provoke you? No, I don't think so. And I think it was very important that they, uh, to this them, is Iran, don't forget, of course. Economy, they, they, you don't think they intended to get you to respond militarily? Their economy is shattered. Shattered. So what's the message? Their inflation is through the roof. They've never had the highest in the world right now, worse than any place. They're, they're living not well. Do you want to do a separate deal with Iran, or do you want to... Get everybody involved in the same deal. Get the uh, Russians, get the Chinese. I don't, I don't care which, what kind of a deal. It can be separate or it can be total. But it's one-on-one talks you all and the Ayatollah? Is, is it one-on-one talks you and the Ayatollah? Or it doesn't you and the matter president? to me. You know, here's what I want. Anything that gets you to the result, they cannot have a nuclear weapon. It's not about the straits. You know, a lot of people covered okay. it incorrectly. They never mentioned. They cannot have a nuclear weapon. They'd use it. And they're not going to have a nuclear weapon. Did you and send a message last oil. night? You know, Reuters is reporting that you sent a message to the Iranians saying, wrong. I don't want war. It's I want to talk. I did not send that message. I did not send that message. I don't know who. Okay. I don't know who would have sent Send a message that. right now to the Ayatollah. I mean, it's fake news. Then send a message right now to the Ayatollah. It wouldn't be much different than that message. Which is? I'm not looking for war. And if there is, it'll be obliteration like you've never seen before. But I'm not looking to do that. But you can't have a nuclear weapon. Now, even putting the substance aside, which we don't, but just for this. What did you think of that, folks? What did you think of that? Pretty damn outrageous, I thought. Let's go to cut five. More Chuck Todd with the president. Go ahead. 
We just beat them in a very big lawsuit. Does it where they frustrate tried to you say, that your border numbers are worse than Obama's? No, because the people are coming up because our economy is so good. They're pouring up because the economy is so good. Obama had a lousy economy. It was a dead economy. Can I ask our, you about that? Our economy Can is good. Let me show you great. this chart. Do you see that chart? Yeah. It's the unemployment rate. All right, all right, the- stop. You know what? You're a real punk, Chuck Todd. You are a disgrace. You, you, you are pathetic. Talk to a president like this. I mean, notice how the president kept this cool, too. So now he wants to trash the president respecting the economy. So Iran is Trump's fault, even though we know all about Iran over its history, and we know that Obama funded it. Now the economy has turned around, and now he wants to show them the the Obama chart on the economy. You get my point? That this is nothing more than a progressive operation, ideologically driven, appendage of the Democrat Party. Now, don't get me wrong. During the debates, they'll ask some tough questions. They got 312 candidates. Big deal. That's just a uh, that's just a facade. It's camouflage for the real goal here. Go ahead. Your economy is great. I'm not saying it's not great. But this recovery started. And in the 28 months that you've been president. And the last 28 months of Obama's presidency, he averaged more new jobs than your first That's because months. he started off with, a, with such a bad base. Okay. I mean, he hits so it is a, Now, let's it? stop there. He makes a brilliant point. So when you look at the percentage, when, when, it gets so bad that when you increase it, it looks much better. Go ahead. Chuck, you have to send. Nobody was working. The whole place was a disaster. And I don't I never take that away. Okay. But it's very easy. All right. Because when that turned around, they pumped a tremendous amount of money into the economy. He also had a Federal Reserve person who kept the interest rates low. I don't. I don't Sounds have like that. Sounds like you do now. Do you feel like you no, have? No, no, no. Do you feel like you have sent? He raised them far too fast. The threat? He raised them far too your fast. Your threat to demote them? Stop, stop. Why don't you let him answer a question, you ass? This isn't media. This isn't the way reporters are supposed to conduct themselves, ladies and gentlemen. You've got a new generation of these young hack Democrats who are trying to present themselves as aggressive journalists. You're learning nothing from this show because he keeps interrupting the president. He's not interviewing the president. He's berating the president and promoting himself. Because he's a low IQ, dim-witted hack. But even more, he's a Democrat, he's a progressive, and he's a social activist. The whole point of my book, on freedom of the press, go ahead. I didn't ever threaten to demote him. There's been some talk that you might demote him to the number two slot. I'd be able to do that if I wanted, but I haven't suggested that. That's not a threat, that's just a reminder that you can. No, no, I have the right to do that, but I haven't said that. Uh, what he's done is $50 billion a month in quantitative tightening. That's ridiculous. What he's done By is... By the way, do you even know what that means, Chuck Todd? Do you even know what that means? You've got no educational background. You've got no real-world experience. Do you even know what that means? Go ahead. Raised interest rates too fast. I've been proven hurt right. Your I think the economy is so strong we're going to bowl through it. Unbelievable. Cut six. Go ahead. I want to ask what's going down with the, these, the children in these migrant camps. 
The stories are horrible, Mr. President. You have children without their parents. You have kids taking care of kids. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Why do you start there, Chuck? Why do you start there? We have hundreds of thousands of people pouring over the border. Everybody knows it's overwhelming our system. The president knows it's overwhelming our system. The Democrats actually wanted to cut the number of detention beds, ladies and gentlemen. Chuck won't mention that. He's talked about (laughs) securing the border, stopping as many people as possible from coming here illegal, having an orderly legal immigration system. He's talked about this over and over again. He was talking about an invasion when when Jim Acosta was trying to correct him that it's a caravan. He said it's a human disaster. It's a catastrophe. When the media were repeating what the Democrats said, that it's a manufactured crisis. This president is trying to deal with it and do something about it. He's the only one in Washington, D.C. who is. And yet listen to how this guy talks to him. Go ahead. These reports. I know people are coming to you. I know you think this is the Democrats' problem. Well, and forget it. Why aren't you doing some of it? First, First of all, is he reporting, ladies and gentlemen? Is he eliciting information? Or is he argumentative? What is he doing here exactly? Is he providing any information to the public? Does anybody know anything as a result of this? No, they don't. Go ahead. They're in terrible shape down there, Mr. President. Down in Homestead, Florida, that's where I grew up, it's, it, the, these, okay. the, the conditions are terrible. I agree. And Do it's something. been that way for a long time. Do something. And President Obama oh, built okay. The- okay, okay. Has this guy ever agreed to come on my show, Mr. Producer? You want to invite him back on the program? And keep this particular recording with you, okay? These particular clips. Go ahead when they said that I built them and then it was 1914. Do two wrongs make a right? It was 2014. Chuck, just listen for one second. Separation. President Obama, I took over separation. I'm the one that put it together. What's happened, though, are the cartels and all of these bad people, they're using the kids. They're, they're, it's almost like slavery. Let's not punish the kids no, no, more. This has been you, happening. The kids are getting punished more. You're right. And this has been happening long before. I, I tell you. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, media is just so destructive. I don't know, Chuck, enemy of the people or friend of the people. I know this plays well. I know this plays well in your social parties. I know this plays well at home with your wife. I know this plays well in the little bubble you live in. But you are destroying the very profession such as it is that you claim to defend. You're a disgrace. And I desperately want you to come on my show. Desperately. The president had enough guts to deal with you. You have enough guts to deal with me. Go ahead. What we've done is we've created, we've ended separation. You know, under President Obama, you had separation. I was the one that ended it. Now, I said one thing. When I ended it, I said, here's what's going to happen. More families are going to come up, and that's what's happened. But they're really coming up for the economics. But once you ended the separation, but I ended separation. I inherited separation from President Obama. President Obama built, they call them jail cells. They were built Let's talk about by what's happening Obama. now. Your administration, you're not you. doing the recreation. You're not even schooling these kids anymore. You've gotten rid of all That is a lie on many fronts. 
That is a lie on many fronts. Number one, he sounds like these are concentration camps, doesn't he? He sounds like Aach, even though he dismissed her. These families are risking their lives and the lives of their children to come to this country before they even step foot in this country. Today, most illegal immigrants legally enter our country, excuse me, illegally enter our country, and they want to immediately surrender to authorities, what? In order to be admitted into these facilities. Why is that, Chuck? Because the short periods during which illegal immigrants are sheltered in them mark the very first time in their lives many of them have ever seen a doctor. Many of them have had three square meals a day of wholesome food, who've slept with clean sheets or been dressed in new clothes. You know, they weren't issued clean sheets and new clothes and three square meals in Auschwitz. Of course it's not perfect. You've got an unprecedented surge of illegal immigrants. Thanks to the Democrats... Thanks to billionaires who are funding front groups. Thanks to all kinds of forces out there. So we shouldn't be ashamed of what our people are trying to do on the southern border. We should be proud of them. Is there temporary facilities? And then they're released into the center of the United States. Where they're faced with systemic racism, I guess. Right, Mr. Producer? Such a fraud. So ignorant is Chuck Todd about this issue. What are you going to do something with? What can you do? What can you do? Well, I, I just think, you know, uh, there's politics aside. What can you do? His questions are irrational. They don't even address the problems. Chuck, why don't you address the problems? We only have so many border security, so many ICE. We can only send so many troops to the border to buy food, formula, change diapers, to wash sheets. Who the hell do you think's doing this? Is anybody at NBC doing it? Anybody at MSNBC? Of course not. Of course not. But Chuck's a Democrat and so is his wife. They're Democrats. So they're never going to point their finger. Forget about that. What are you doing, Mr. President? How much time do I have, Rich? Cut seven, go. Let me ask you this. Why do you think Nancy Pelosi has held off? her impeachment caucus because i think she feels that i will win much easier i mean i've been told that by do you think impeachment's good politics for you i think i win the election easier but you know i'm not sure that i like having it look i did nothing wrong i was spied on what they did to me was illegal it was illegal on the other side i did nothing wrong so impeachment's a very unfair thing because nothing that i did was wrong and if you look at the Mueller report there was no collusion. This was all about collusion. Nowhere in this the Mueller report. By the way, Mr. President, you say no collusion. There is not a single. I've read this Mueller report. Both, both use parts the of word it. collusion. There's or not use, one place it says nothing happened. All right, stop. Then you're illiterate. Read volume one. What happened in volume one, Chuck? No collaboration, no conspiracy, not by a single American. Doesn't matter if the word collusion is used. No conspiracy, no collaboration, not a single indictment of a single American related to collaboration or conspiracy with the Russians, not one. But Chuck Todd doesn't want his audience to know that. Once he doesn't want his audience to know, butkus. Go ahead. 
Use the word conspiracy. I'll be honest with you. Nobody even mentions Russia anymore since the Mueller report. They don't mention it, in all fairness. Nobody mentions Russia anymore. And it was about Russia. All right, let's start. Tell me, Chuck, where was their collusion? Where did Mr. Mueller find collusion? You said you read the first volume. Where did he find collusion? And who was colluding? He's a collusion denier or a, uh, an innocent denier. Go ahead. It was a hoax. Let me ask you this wait during the campaign. Wait, wait. No, we'll give you the time you need. What, what hoax it was? It was a hoax. The Russian hoax with me. You don't believe I had happened? nothing to do. You don't believe the Russians interfered in our election? He didn't say the Russians didn't interfere in the election. That was under Obama, you genius. He said there was no collusion, of which there was none. And by the way, you sound like you're hyped up on something. What's going on, pal? You're talking faster than Chris Matthews. You sound like you're hyped up on something. What was it? Inhaling your own ego? You creep. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free. At levinforhillsdale.com. That's L E V I N for Hillsdale.com. I cannot think of another president who would sit down with a hostile host like this for this amount of time. Second one now. And so calmly deal with it. But I can't think of another one. Another one. Obama was thrown flowers and chocolates by these hosts because they're Democrats, they're progressives, and he was their man. So in this, this first, I've tried to pull everything together for you. The excuses of the media, Hollywood, academia, and so many elites for what Stalin did. The New York Times covered it up. The New York Times led the way. My book, Unfreedom of the Press, which really is probably the most extensive examination of the modern mass media today ever. And then an example of it all with Chuck Todd and his treatment of the President of the United States, but even more, his treatment of the public, the American people, is a rare position. He does at NBC News, and look what he does with it. I'll be right back. Now, 
now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. President's doing some effective things, I think, with respect to Iran, and I'll get into them in a minute. But I want to read to you something that appeared rather shockingly in the Washington Examiner by a fellow by the name of Jack Hunter. Now, you don't know who Jack Hunter is, but I do. And I will tell you more about Jack Hunter during the course of the hour here. So I have a different take on Iran than some people. No, I don't favor full-out war. No, I'm not a radical interventionist. None of those things. But I do feel there should have been a military response. The president's the president. I'm not president of the United States. I'm a commentator. And he's chosen otherwise. And he, in the end, seems to do the right thing. He might be right. I might be wrong. Who knows? But I thought, and I still think today, that Iran needed to be punished the way they were under Reagan, the way they are by the Israelis, the way they have been in the past, because this is a very vile regime that has killed hundreds and hundreds of Americans and Marines. Uh, excuse me, uh, Army and, uh, and Marines. It is a vile uh, regime, as I call it, an Islamo-Nazi regime, because it is. Now, I'm friends with President Trump. I consider him to be a great president, and I defend him. Jack Hunter is a Ron Paul guy. Even worse, as you'll find out when I'm done. But here's what he writes at the Washington Examiner. Shockingly. The American conservative editor... Now, this is a website that is really repulsive to me. They used to trash liberty and tyranny and other stuff. It's not a traditional conservative website, in my view. And neither is Hunter. Hunter pretends he is, and he's not. He's more alt-right than anything else, as you'll find out later. As you'll find out later. And he was... uh, He had to leave Senator Paul's staff even in 2011 after having helped him write his book. He's a former a lot of things. Says the American conservative editor, Jim Antle, writes, Thursday night was the night Donald Trump became president. No, it's not. Donald Trump has done many good things in over two years in office. It's not the night he became president. But you have to understand, I'm dealing with these code pink, radical, left-wing, excuse me, alt-right ideologues, although they sound very left-wing. You can imagine the hyperbolic hosannas that would have been sung if Trump had gone ahead with his planned strikes against Iran, adding to the list of undeclared presidential wars. Instead, he pulled back. Hyperbolic hazanas, indeed. Who might have led this pro-war chorus? Conservative pundits Ben Shapiro and Mark Levin. And Mr. Bidu, was I leading a pro-war chorus? 
Am I not on the radio? Can people not hear me with their own two ears? Is this program not put on my website so people can go back and listen, Mr. Producer? It's there for free. Did I specifically point out that we should not have an all-out war? And that was unnecessary, that we shouldn't send in 500,000 troops? But in order to engage in debate when you have a low IQ and when you're an ideologue, alt-right type, you've got to create straw men. So he puts up Shapiro and Levin. When President Trump decided not to strike after being informed it could potentially kill 150 civilians, was the word civilians used? Maybe, I don't remember that. But it doesn't matter to me. He explained on Twitter, 10 minutes before the strike I stopped it, not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. A disappointed Shapiro tweeted in reply, see, he's obsessed with Shapiro and Levin. Why do you think? This guy has been a stalker, literally, for years. Until he wiped himself out. But the Washington Examiner has breathed new life into him. He wrote Shapiro, disproportionate response to attacks on U.S. assets are a good way of showing our enemies that we will mash them if they continue to escalate. The U.S. doesn't want war. You know who doesn't want war even more? The Ayatollahs who find themselves quite dead if war occurs. It's exactly right. Even the president has said something like that today. In other words, writes Hunter, because you're too stupid, you see, he has to interpret it for you. Mash them to show these pesky foreign countries we mean business. Is that what Shapiro said? It's a pesky foreign country? Because such strategic military intervention, including regime change, has always worked out so well for us in the past. Thanks again, Barack and Hillary Clinton. Worked out well on the Third Reich, I think, don't you, Mr. Producer? Worked out well with Tojo's Japan. Just pointing it out as a matter of history. Levin was similarly irritated Trump didn't strike. I wasn't irritated. He might have been more upset. People were picking on John Bolton. There's now a clear campaign against John Bolton. I'm sure China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran love it when they hear people trashing John Bolton. That's a fact. John Bolton is a great patriot, and he's been a great patriot. When he served as our ambassador to the United Nations and stared down the enemy, when he served in the Justice Department during the Reagan administration, and now... As national security advisor to the president, president, look, I've got advisors of all stripes. I make the decision. And that's where Hunter and the rest of them are really dismissing the intelligence of the president of the United States. He's the final decision maker. Let's see here. Levin's defense of the national security advisor alone. Hold on. Just lost it. Oh, please speaks volumes about what kind of conservative impulses the talk show host still has when it comes to foreign policy. Oh, tell me, what's that? No issue defined George W. Bush's presidency more than the Iraq war. After the majority of the country, including most of our veterans, eventually came to the conclusion that the 2003 U.S. invasion of Iraq had been a colossal mistake. Our veterans? Was there a poll taken? That settled fact would help set the stage for the next Republican president who would reject the entire Bush-Cheney GOP brand in no uncertain terms. 
Trump said there should be no more nation building. Who's talking about nation building, for God's sakes? Talking about responding to an attack by the, uh, by the Iranians. But he can't help it. He's got to create straw men. No more policy of regime change. But Trump does want regime change in Iran if they won't come to the table. What do you think these economic sanctions are about? What do you think these sanctions now on the IRGC commanders and the Ayatollah himself, what do you think they're about? They're all about regime change. And by the way, what would be wrong with regime change against a country that keeps talking about putting nuclear warheads on their ICBMs to shoot at, among others, the United States, their enemy? Well, Mark, they're not really going to do that. Let's see here. However, much the president has actually stuck to his own promises in another debate. Needless to say, this is not the kind of thinking that appears to guide the foreign policy preferences of Shapiro and Levin. First of all, you're talking to yourself, dummy. I explain what my policies are all the time. Both were major advocates of the Iraq war, and unless I'm mistaken, remain unapologetic about it today. That's true. The closest Levin has come to saying the Iraq war was wrong appears to be that we should have attacked Iran instead in the first place. Why don't you mention, Hunter, that I didn't believe we should attack Libya, that I thought we had Omar Gaddafi exactly where we wanted him. He was in a cage. He gave up his nuclear plans. Why don't you mention that? You can't mention that because you're a disgrace. Neocons. This is why he's focused on Shapiro and Levin. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, we're neocons. In other words, we're Jews. And I'll explain that later, too. In some respect, perhaps Shapiro and Levin should be cut some slack. Advocacy in defense of Iraq debacle had defined the Republican Party for the entire eight years. So this guy is a code pink quasi-Republican, a Ron Paul guy, a hate America first guy. And these hate America first guys are not that different from the hard left. And you can read the rest of it if you want, because I posted it. I posted it for you to read, because I want you to read it. But you should Google the guy's name. Here's a piece from the Washington Free Beacon that I'm pulling up, July 22, 2013. Unfortunately, a lot of people commenting on my social sites didn't connect one article with the other. Well, all you have to do is look three articles in. It's right there by Elena Goodman. The Confederacy loses again. A close aide to Senator Rand Paul, remember this is six years ago or so, co-authored the senator's 2011 book, A Step Down Following Weeks of Controversy after his decade-long career as a pro-Confederate shock jock and secession advocate after the Washington Free Beacon reported on his provocative statements. Paul Family Insider and social media director Jack Hunter announced his resignation in an email to the Daily Caller on Sunday because he was close to Ron Paul before. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I did post it so you can read the whole thing. Hunter, back then, was 39, was known as the Southern Avenger on a now defunct South Carolina rock radio station from 1999 to 2007. He served as a chairman for a chapter of the League of the South, a neo-Confederate group that advocates for Southern secession in the late 1990s. 
Paul hired Hunter to co-write his 2010 book, The Tea Party Goes to Washington. Hunter then worked as a strategist and political blogger for Representative Ron Paul's 2012 presidential campaign. He was hired in Senator Rand Paul's office as the social media director in the fall of 2012. Goes on. The Free Beacon recently obtained a CD, a pro-Confederate and racially charged commentary that Hunter recorded while working as a pro-secessionist shock jock. You can read the rest. It gets worse and worse and worse, which is why I posted it. This is the clown that's writing at the Washington Examiner. I am more than happy to debate my ideas with anybody, with anybody. When it comes to foreign policy, I wrote an entire chapter in Liberty and Tyranny that the watchword is prudence, prudence. I've said it on the air, prudence. Every situation is different, but you still look at history. You still try and find parallels, but in the end, every situation is different. You didn't find me trashing the president of the United States on his decision. This isn't MSNBC or CNN and these frauds. But from time to time, there will be a disagreement. From time to time, there will be a disagreement. So be it. This guy's a Ron Paul, Rand Paul guy. I don't even know if he backed Trump in 2016. I have no idea, and I don't even care. But you ought to read what this guy has written in the past and who he is. Then ask yourself, how the hell does this guy get to write for a mainstream conservative publication? I have no idea. I have no idea. Now you know more about Jack Hunter, but you should learn on your own. Just Google him. I'm an open book. Everything I've ever said is everywhere. By choice or by not. But when guys like this crawl out from under their rocks, well, maybe a little bit of sunlight's a good thing. What do you say, Jackie? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Before people in this audience or on my social sites jump in with this uh, Rand Paul stuff, Rand Paul just said that uh, we shouldn't have gotten rid of the nuclear deal. They didn't like the fact that we gave all the money up front, but we should have built on the nuclear deal. Uh, he doesn't care for the additional sanctions, that he believes that we ought to try and talk to the Iranians. And he's, he praised George Keenan. He said he's a big fan of George Keenan. Those of you who know who that was. 
he was a Sovietologist who wrote about containment and so forth. Just so you know, Ronald Reagan rejected containment, and he rejected George Keenan, and he wanted to defeat the Soviet Union. And he went about defeating the Soviet Union, and he did defeat the Soviet Union. So he rejected this idea of containment. He thought it was a weak country economically, uh, and he struck at that, not militarily, but otherwise. And so Rand Paul is embracing, and this is what happens with the radical libertarians. They kind of embrace the alt-right, then they, they, they embrace the progressives. It's a real mix of uh, uh, an odd mix. And it doesn't strengthen the United States' national security in the least. So who's criticizing the president now? Who's criticizing the president now? Rand Paul and his acolytes. And his acolytes. Um, so they don't care for more sanctions. And, and it's very strange. We want, want to talk to Iran. Well, Iran doesn't want to talk to us. It's not like North Korea. The Islamo-Nazi who leads Iran is a killer. He is a religious Islamo-ideologue. He doesn't want to talk. So people say, well, I, I want to sit down and talk with him. Uh, Rand Paul says we, we, ought, to, we ought to emphasize diplomacy. It, it's, it's almost like, like they, they have, they, they're, they're living in their own unreality. George Kanan in, in containment, rejected by Reagan, and Reagan was right. And Rand Paul cites him. Because Rand Paul is addressing this from an ideological point of view. I am not. I'm addressing this from a prudential point of view. You've got to look at each situation. There are historical examples and parallels. Again, you need to learn from that. But they're not perfect. Which is, again, why I thought it was ridiculous to try and take out Gaddafi when Gaddafi was actually working with us. So those are the radical interventionists. And what happens with people like Jack Hunter, in addition to being an absolute crackpot, is they try and paint you with these broad brushes. And yet I never said anything that he, that would suggest I'm a McCainite, or for that matter, in Rubio's camp, where they felt we should have militarily intervened in Libya, and I never understood that. So the President of the United States is uh, not only is targeting senior Iranian guard commanders and the Ayatollah himself with further economic sanctions, which I fully support. He also hit them with cyber attacks, apparently, and hurt, um, and hurt them significantly, we believe, uh, in terms of their computer networks uh, and their, their capabilities with respect to firing the missiles, including the missile that hit our drone. That's a perfectly good response. It's an excellent response. But if they hit us, I suspect this president will hit them militarily, and then you will find the Ron Paul, Code Pink, Bernie Sanders wing of the Republican Party attack the president of the United States rather than the enemy. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, 
which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, BrickhouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. from the show. We have a special number you can call to reach him, 877-381-3811. I remember many of these same voices were dumping all over the president uh, when we launched attacks into Syria. Remember that? And they were threatening the president should he attack Iran for attacking uh, our drone. I'm just waiting to watch how they react president does pull the military trigger at some point based on what Iran does. They claim to be for America first. No, actually, I am for America first. This is a regime that has killed thousands of American troops. This is a regime that threatens my family and yours once they get the technology to lob a few nuclear missiles into our country. That's really a deep, deep misguided idea that that country is incapable of it at some point or won't do it at some point. Now, I don't really give a damn what these other people think when it comes to nuclear war. They seem to think that this regime is incapable of it at some point. Uh, This entire society rests on their ideology, which is preposterous. President of the United States said today they will not get nuclear weapons. So what if they don't come to the negotiation table? What if they won't give up their nuclear weapons? They wouldn't give up their nuclear weapons in exchange for $150 billion. Rand Paul says the, uh, the other deal was working. Of course it wasn't working. So what is it? This entire society, the future of your children and grandchildren based on the ideology of a few kooks or based on prudence and realism? Well, I know what I choose. I know what I choose. And regime change is sometimes right and it's sometimes wrong. Sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I know isolationism in the face of an enemy, depending on what that enemy is and how they threaten us and so forth, is not an ideology that I want to embrace. And I don't think you do either. There are over 2 million burglaries reported every year. That's one every 13 seconds. One in five homes have security systems. That's it. That's why this number is so high. 
Most companies don't make it easy to get a security system. That's probably why. And that's why Simply Safe is my top choice. Simply Safe protects your whole home, every window, room, and door with 24 7 monitoring for just a fraction of the cost. Their police dispatch is up to three and a half times faster because they use video verification. There's no contract, no wires, no hidden fees, no fine print. Prices are always fair and honest. Around-the-clock monitoring is just $15 a month. Visit simplysafe.com slash Levin. That's simplysafe.com slash L-E-V-I-N. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash Levin so they know our show sent you there. Very important. That's simplysafe.com slash Levin, simplysafe.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Jack, Vernal, Utah, the great K-V-E-L, go. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. I really want to appreciate all the stuff you do for our country. I was uh, pretty upset listening to the way that guy was treating the president. He doesn't deserve to have the opportunity to sit down in front of our president. Mm -hmm. Our president is done more for our country than a lot of the presidents over many years. I'm as old as you. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of stuff that made me sick, even back in Carter. I mean, would he treat Obama that way? Would he treat Carter that way? Would he treat Bill Clinton that way? Hell no. Nope. No, the the guy is, he doesn't deserve to have a microphone to even interview the president. And you know that. No, I agree. I am so thankful. That do you, do you have a copy of Unfreedom of the Press? No, i got to wait till payday to buy it. No, 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 no. I'll send you a signed copy was, was my point. So uh, I think Chuck Todd is in the book, and uh, there's a reason he's in the book, because he's obnoxious, and he thinks he's a know-it-all, and he's a know-nothing. Thank you for your call. We don't have, or do we have here, the Jake Tapper interviewer of the vice president. Do we not have that, Rich? Okay. Well, when Jake Tapper was interviewing the vice president on Sunday, he was equally disgraceful, on, particularly on climate change. And Jake Tapper, you're more than able to call into this program. I'll debate you on climate change. He says the climate scientists have concluded that the DNI and, uh, and elsewhere in, in the administration that not only is there man-made climate change, it's an emergency. Now, of course, what he doesn't say is that these are Obama holdovers. That he won't say. But, Jake, I'm going to introduce you to hundreds, hundreds of individuals with advanced degrees, PhDs, some of them more than one, in physics, in meteorology, and climatology, and so forth, who will tell you that man-made climate change doesn't exist, that man-made climate change to the extent it exists, is of little consequence. And that the earth may be getting a little warmer, but men and women have nothing to do with it. But Jake Tapper doesn't want to deal with that. That's his position. That's Chuck Todd's position. And so either of them should feel free to call this program and discuss this with me. This is their fiat. This is what they concluded on their own. Because they cherry pick. And just because the government puts out this information, you want to know, well, who in the government put out this information and why? Well, we know who did it. 
And so on so many levels, this is wrong. It's not reporting. It's not fact-based. They don't provide the other information that's, that's readily available to anybody who wants to find it. You can go right on the Internet and find it. And these are authoritative cor- uh, uh, sources. They don't tell you that if we sign up to these deals that, of course, the Chinese and the Indians and others, uh, they will continue to pollute pretty much all they want. And the other thing they don't tell you is the governing effect, and that's the real intent here. That there's such a great distance now between you and your government and your ability to influence your government. Imagine if this, this issue, air, water, really life itself is delegated to an international organization where you have absolutely no say in anything. It's extra-constitutional. I would ask Jake Tapper, I'm reading from 125 of Unfreedom of the Press, I would ask you, sir, do you know who S. Fred Singer is? Well, let me tell you what the National Association of Scholars writes about S. Fred Singer. He's a leading scientific skeptic of anthropocentric global warming, is an atmospheric physicist and founder of the Science and Environmental Policy Project, SEPP, an organization that began challenging the published findings of the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change in the 1990s. Now, this group established the Lipsig Declaration, a statement of dissent from the 1997 Kyoto Protocol that has been signed by over 100 scientists and meteorologists. He established the Non-Governmental International Panel on Climate Change, which in 2009 published Climate Change Reconsidered, an 880-page report on scientific research that contradicts the models of man-made global warming. And Singer believes that global warming exists, but that human contributions to it are minimal. And Singer said he believed his efforts in the last 20 years have been successful in disproving the notion that science is settled. Now, Chuck Todd dismisses all experts. Jake Tapper ignores this man, and he's not alone. There's Patrick Michaels, who I've had on my program, formerly of the University of Virginia, now George Mason and the Cato Institute. There's Richard Linson, formerly of MIT and Harvard, of the National Academy of Sciences, a member, a fellow of both the American Meteorological Society and the American Association for the Advancement of Science. He doesn't agree with Jake Tapper. He doesn't agree with Chuck Todd. They act like he doesn't exist. There's Roy Spencer, Ph.D. in meteorology, University of Wisconsin-Madison. He was the principal research scientist at the University of Alabama in Huntsville. He was a senior scientist for climate studies at NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center. I mean, folks, this is the tip of the iceberg, may I say. And they act like these people don't even exist. They don't even expose their audiences to people like this. Again, that's from Unfreedom of the Press. Which I hope you'll get. I hope you'll spread the word on Amazon.com. It's 40% off. It really is a remarkable buy. But by the way, as I told my Levin TV audience, I like to go to Costco from time to time because I get in the mood for one of these big hot dogs, Mr. Producer. And a soda for a buck fifty. Do you ever go there for that? It's amazing. It's been a buck fifty like for ten years. And I put the golden's mustard on and a little bit of ketchup on there. I know, don't throw up, but that's what I do. 
buck fifty. So I go in there. I guess it was yesterday. And I go to the book section. They have a couple tables. And the books all seem well stocked, but I can't find my book. And I said, no, I know they have the book. They assured our publisher they're in all the stores, and, they, and they've ordered plenty, so they have them. So then I saw the side of my book. It's got the red cover. And somebody put three Michelle Obama books on top of it. Now, look, this is the crime of the century, but I'm just telling you, what are these people in third grade, these liberals who go up to a book table and they have to cover up another book? I have never done that in my life. There have been putrid authors with putrid books making putrid cases as far as I can remember. But I don't go into Costco and take a book and put it on their book. Do you do that, Rich? There are these left-wing haters. They want to pull down statues. They want to burn books. And in my case, they want to cover it. It was the only book that was covered by another book. I'm just thinking to myself, what are you you in third grade? What is this? you, You an idiot? Well, it's a great book for the summer. It's a great book to read. I really hope you will. I really hope you will, because this is what we're up against. It's not even the Democrat Party so much. It's it's not uh, Hollywood so much. It is the media, and the media want to defeat this president. The media want to defeat you. The media want to impose upon you the president that they want, and then they'll treat that president with respect. They won't interrupt that president. They'll protect that president. Because the media are about big government, big centralized government, big activist government, progressivism. That's what they're about. Now, this book has taken off despite the fact that not a single network program has talked about it. Not one. Despite the fact the New York Times hasn't reviewed it. They trash it anyway, but it would give me an opportunity to use them as a foil. Plus, they'd have to explain Chapter 6, which is all about them. They haven't reviewed it. They're not going to. You haven't seen it on a single Sunday news program because it talks about the news. You haven't seen it on a single morning show of the Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS, whatever they call it. Fox and Friends, of course, has been wonderful. CBS Sunday uh, show, what do they call that again? CBS Sunday morning or something. They always have a particular book there. I'm too controversial. Howard Stern is not, but I am. I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining how remarkable it is, how remarkable it is that hundreds of thousands of copies of this book in different forms have been purchased. It's it's amazing because other than my radio show and the other radio shows that have had me on and certain shows on Fox, you wouldn't even know about it. I mean, there's other, others, too, like our friends at CBN, Brody, and others, so don't get me wrong. But it's amazing. It's also amazing these talk show hosts that don't talk about it, isn't it, Rich? They take information out of it, typical, backbenchers. But they don't say, oh, by the way, you ought to check this, but they're not going to do it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And only certain shows on Fox have had any interest in the book. That's interesting, too. My buddy Hannity and several of the others have been wonderful. Kill Me, Ducey, Ainsley, Jesse, uh, Janine, Hegseth and the team, 
Shannon Bream. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm going to miss somebody here. I apologize. But other others of the primetime shows and so forth, the new shows. Oh, uh, Brett uh, Bear has been very wonderful. But that's it. That's it. So uh, it's amazing. So word of mouth has been big. So I hope you will continue unfreedom of the press. This book doesn't get old. In fact, if anything, it's early because we have a huge battle ahead. All you Tea Party activists, all you Convention of State activists, this is your time. This is the time to spread the word while you're spreading the other word. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Look at this headline in the Washington Examiner. Ben Shapiro and Mark Levin are mad Trump didn't shoot first and ask questions later. Is that accurate, Mr. Producer? It is outrageous. It's like a National Enquirer, a left-wing headline. I'm not mad at Trump at all. That he didn't shoot first and ask questions later? That's about as deceiving as it gets at CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post. Absolutely unbelievable. Shameful. You know, demand letters from the IRS are hitting the mail. If you owe back taxes, you may be receiving one soon. And when it arrives, you'll have questions like, is it true that the IRS can garnish my paycheck? Can the IRS really take my home and bank accounts? And can they get my retirement savings? Yes, the IRS can do that and a lot more. But there is a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an official government program for tax debt assistance. And nobody knows more about the Fresh Start Initiative than the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. Optima's mission is to stand between you and the IRS, fighting to help protect your paycheck and assets, and helping you get the best deal possible. But don't delay, because the IRS can tack on hefty penalties and interest every day. Call Optima now for your free consultation, while you still have options. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Unfreedom of the press, that phrase, the book, is about how those entrusted with news reporting in the modern media are destroying freedom of the press from within. 
Indeed, social activism, progressive groupthink, Democratic Party uh, partisanship, opinion and propaganda passed off as news, the staging of pseudo-events, self-censorship, bias by omission, and outright falsehoods are too often substituted for old-fashioned objective fact-gathering and news reporting. A self-perpetuating and reinforcing mindset has replaced independent and impartial thinking. And the American people know it. Thus, the credibility of the mass media has never been lower. Unlike the early Patriot Press, today's newsrooms and journalists are mostly hostile to America's founding principles, traditions, and institutions. They sure as hell are. That's from the introduction. Get your summer reading right here. Unfreedom of the Press. Go to Amazon.com, any major bookstore. You can see if books are hiding it on the stacks and so forth. Lots more when we return. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, with Google Whistleblower, Google Insider. Um, talks about how Google has a plan to prevent Donald Trump from getting reelected. Maybe you've heard about some of this today. James O'Keefe will be on this program at the bottom of the hour, who runs Project Veritas, very, very uh, patriotic and courageous young man. So let's listen first to the Google Insider and then Jen Genanay, I guess, head of responsible innovation for Google, among others. Cut nine, go. Um, the reason why I decided to come to Project Veritas is because um, people need to know what's actually going on with Google. There's this facade about what they're doing, but what they're actually doing, what the employees are actually seeing inside the company is different. Well, but the reason we launched our AI principles is because people were not putting that line in the sun. They were not saying what is fair about that goal. So we're like, well, we are a big company. We're going to say it. not an objective piece. They're not an objective source of information. But then there are teams. Uh, it's about ML fairness. ML fairness, the teams. Fairness. Yeah. Like, you know, you need to be fair. We're also training our algorithms. Like, if 2016 happened again, would we have the be different? They are a highly biased political machine. Um, that is bent on never letting somebody like Donald Trump come to power again. But 2020 is certainly on top of now my old organization, Trust and Safety, is top of mind. They've been working on it since 2016 to make sure we're ready for 2020. This is a Goliath I'm but of David trying to say that the emperor has no clothes. He got called in front of Congress multiple times. They can pressure us, but not changing. Being a small little ant, I can be crushed and I'm aware of that. This is something that is bigger than me. This is something that needs to be said to the American public. Elizabeth Warren is saying that we should break up Google. I'm like, I love her, but she's very misguided. Like, that will not make it better. It'll make it worse because now all these smaller companies who don't have the same resources that we do will 
be charged with preventing the next situation. It's like a small company. Hmm. Now let me read you some of this. If it was a little unclear. The Google Insider says, the reason I came to Project Veritas is because people need to know what's going on with Google. What they're doing is different. Now, the head of responsible innovation for Google, he has the recording. The reason we launched our AI principles is because people were not putting that line in the sand, that they were not saying what's fair and what's equitable. So we're like, well, we are a big company. We're going to say it. People who voted for the current president who do not agree with our definition of fairness. Got that? Google Insider says they're not objective, not objective source of information. Then a Google software engineer. There are things which are called ML fairness. You need to bear, and then the head of innovation again. We're also training our algorithms like if 2016 happened again, would we have, would the outcome be different? Google Insider, they are a highly biased machine, and on never letting a person like Trump coming to power again. Again, the head of innovation, Google. 2020 is on t- the top of my old organization. Trust and safety, top of mind. They've been working since 2016, she says, to make sure we are ready for 2020. We got called in front of Congress multiple times. They can pressure us, but we are not changing. Elizabeth Warren is saying we should break up Google. And like, I love her, but she's very misguided. Like, that will not make it better. It will make it worse because all these smaller companies who don't have the same resources that we do will be charged with preventing the next Trump situation. It's like a small company cannot do that. That's pretty damning stuff. So uh, James O'Keefe will be on the program in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, to add additional context to what you just heard. I think that's pretty incredible stuff, uh, which underscores uh, the problem. Underscores the problem. And I think the way out of this is more technology, more platforms, and I think that's what we're getting down the road with the Google and Facebook and all the rest of them, Twitter, like it or not. Let's go to some calls. We haven't done a lot of calls lately. David, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Hello, Mark. Uh, first time caller uh, to any show, actually. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say the attacks on Trump is disgusting. I can't believe what they've done to this president. Which one, By whom now are you talking about? I'm talking about the liberal media. Right. CNN. CNBC in whatever the media, right? Alphabet media. Um, and uh, the other thing is, is the uh, is the average American really that easily brainwashed by CNN and the other leftist media? Well, here's the truth. The average American doesn't watch CNN. They have no ratings. Um, CNN is effective with the elites in Washington, D.C., and the elites in New York, and that's where their influence is. Same with MSNBC. So their power is not in numbers. Their power is in their geography, and that's the problem. But when you look at the Trump rallies, there is numbers there. There are numbers there. No question about it. There's no no question about it. That speaks volumes. It speaks volumes, and I hope it holds up because – 
There's a lot of people on the other side, too, and they voted, too, last time. It was a very close election in terms of the popular vote. So uh, we always have to play like we're behind. We shouldn't convince ourselves that this is going to be easy. We need to turn out big on rallies. We need to turn out big, period. Well, I'll tell you, I did not vote last time. I've mm-hmm. never voted. And since I started listening to you, I'm going to vote for the first Thank time you. in 52 years. Well, good for you. That's important. And you're the one that got me to do it. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Will you read it if I send it to you? Yes, sir. I haven't read uh, read a book in years, and that actually I would read that book. I'll tell you what. I'll send you an audio. Would you rather have that? Oh, I'd love to have the book. Good. I'm I'm actually a Republican artist. Really? (laughs) And you you don't have very many Republican artists. Well, my dad was one, but you're right. Yes. So, David. I've seen his artwork. And thank it's you. Wonderful. Thank you. Don't hang up. We're going to send you a signed copy of the book. I much prefer people read the book than listen to the audio. Because it's, you know, it's an interesting point. It's a totally different experience when you read a book. I'm not saying don't do what you want. If you want to listen to the audio and you're in a car, you're a truck driver, it's a long drive. I got it. But the thing about reading a book is you can actually stare at some of the words or stare at some of the information, and it really just kind of, you know, chiseled into your brain in many respects. Josh, California, Maryland, on the Mark Levin app. Aren't you lucky, sir? Yes, sir. (laughs) Quite so. Yes. Um, Thank you, Mr. Levin, for taking my call. I just want to make the point that I noticed recently that how leftists tend to congregate in areas where their ideas don't really get challenged, um, whether it be the media or academia, oddly enough, where it should be challenged, um, as well as Hollywood. I mean, take this, this uh, Mr. Hunter guy that you've talked about. I mean, That would be Jack him. Hunter. Jack, yes, sir, Jack Hunter. You could invite him on your show as many times as you want to, but he would never come on the show. First of all, I invite him on the show, give him an audience. He's incapable. He craves for an audience. That's different. Plus, he's a reprobate, in my humble opinion. Just my opinion. No, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, these people can't, these progressives and Marxists can't come out in the open and defend themselves, as uh, John Stuart Mill called it, in a marketplace of ideas. And Mm -hmm. it's it's really reprehensible. And, you know, I don't know where he's getting this number, 150 civilians. Because I haven't read that anywhere. That's uh, that's ridiculous. I thought they said 150 casualties. Did they say civilians? No, they didn't. They, they said casualties. No one specified civilians at all. And, and, and by the way, 150 dead is what they said. That's the exact quote, not civilians. And, you know, that's on them. That's not on us, Josh, is it? No, it's not. And I, I just I would love to know, like, where are you getting your information from? Doesn't matter. The guy's an ideologue. He's a, he is a... You know, these guys who pretend to be first American types, some of them, they're last American types. It's always America's fault. There is a warmonger establishment. No, no, there's not. No. I mean, they're putting down our military now. They're putting down people who have served this country magnificently, like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. They give the Iranians a pass. If we'd only sit down with the Iranians and talk to them diplomatically. I mean, I don't know. When it comes to foreign policy, Rand Paul is not the guy I look to. He's just not. When it comes to economic policy, maybe. But not Rand Paul. Rand Paul's an outlier. No, and and, It's like his old man. 
and God forbid, you know, these Iranians, and it's no mystery what they're going to do when they get a nuke. It, it's they've stated it many times before. And um, so, so why do these uh, the these 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 individuals pretend otherwise? I don't know. That's a great question. And you know, God forbid, one of these things actually goes off in a target that they intend to. You know, I can only imagine these people standing off on the sidelines saying, "Well, why didn't you do anything? Where did you? Know, where were you? If you knew it, why didn't you do anything?" Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let us go to Patrick. It's not Delton, Alabama. It's Denton, right? It's Delton, Alabama, Mark. Really? What's up, man? Hey, not a lot. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, sir. I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for taking my call. I've been a long-time listener of yours for like 12 years. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm a veteran, and... Um, God bless you. Oh, well, thank you so very kindly. It's been my pleasure as well. But, you know, over the years, uh, knowing that I've been a conservative for all these many years, mm-hmm. and I had to, like, witness things to go out there and buy your books, such as how the courts were, like, doing some raggedy things in district courts and the judges. Mm-hmm. I bought mm-hmm. Men in Black. <laughs> After going through eight years of the Obama administration, I bought Liberty and Terry. Gee whiz. But after, you know, but I had to do that after witnessing things. But I listened to your show before I bought your books to be able to say, okay, I need to do this from an unbiased point of view. But after reading your book, it enlightened me on a lot of things. Thank but you. after seeing, after seeing what Chuck Todd did yesterday by dissing the president the way he did, mm-hmm. I got to go out and buy this book, man. <laughs> <laughs> you see, well, but- listen, listen to me. I thought it was really outrageous. We didn't learn anything. There was no serious information. But the way they treated, the way he treated the president really was quite contemptible, was it not? It was absolutely horrible. I mean, the president, out of all these other people that they softball, he want to go hardball. I mean, I think these guys think they have a damn rather, uh, a damn rather mentality on the way he did Nixon. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan Rather set this up. I mean, you know, but after after watching this yesterday, I had to buy this book to get a better. I can't even watch CBS News. I used to watch CBS long years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't even watch CBS. I turned over to Fox now because they have more of my views intact in and all. And they come to the, they give you the news straight. They do not put any of their opinions or their emotions into any of this. But here's the it's thing: if like, you want if you want opinion, you know who to watch for opinion. If you want straight news, you know who to watch for straight news. You can't really say that about MSNBC much or CNN much. No, you can't. I mean, you know, th- these days are so different than when my grandfather my grandfather swore by Huntley and Brinkley. I swear mm-hmm. to God, he did. Mm-hmm. He swore by Huntley and Brinkley, and he he literally just like went in tears and stuff when Chet Huntley left the show. You know, left broadcasting altogether. He's, he pretty much stopped watching NBC News in a way. But that was years ago. Mm-hmm. That lets you know how old I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm like this. Our president is so, I would say, so politically incorrect that he didn't bite the apple. Mm-hmm. He went at it with the truth. And a so lot of he, he didn't get angry with uh, Chuck Todd, did he? Angry. He put him in his place. He didn't mm-hmm. even get angry with him. He, he did him like he did Stephanopoulos. 
And he's going to do that same thing to that female on uh, CBS um, Face the Nation when he goes over there. That's coming up next. He hadn't been on Face the Nation yet. Mm-hmm. But she's going to get... She's oh, Raditz. Get Raditz. Uh, Obama went to her wedding. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They softball Obama, Clinton, Clinton, Mitt Romney, McCain, mm-hmm. God rest his soul. They, they, they softball these people because they knew they were in on the fix. But mm-hmm. this guy's so honest, you know, they go at him so hard that they disrespect him because of his past and all. That's beside the point. He's the president of the United States of America. And the man is so upfront and truthful. He let everybody know exactly what's going on. He has all of all of our foreign adversaries on their heels right now. They don't know what's happening because he doesn't telegraph anything. And he don't telegraph to them in the news because they know that he they, they'll, they'll bite him in the butt. He will mm-hmm. not do it, but he lets them know up front on how things are done. I so appreciate the fight that you wrote this book. I'm going to go get it so I can be able to have better clarity on, on a lot of things. I'll tell you what. I'm in a very giving mood tonight. Don't hang up, Patrick. We'll give you a signed copy to Mr. Producer. i got to sign more. Will you send me an email and remind me to do that, please? So I can get him out tomorrow, too. Thank you, Patrick. Don't hang up, please. Don't hang up. Rob, Los Angeles, California. Quickly, 870 The Answer, the great KRLA. Go. Hey, Mark, uh, great show. Um, I just, my biggest problem with the Googles and the Facebooks and the Twitters is most of these tech companies got tax incentives to grow and start their businesses, and those tax incentives came at the cost of subsidies from all taxpayers, not just liberal taxpayers. I'm, I'm not aware that they got subsidies. They have a special statutory protection from lawsuits. Uh, what subsidies did they get? Um, well, let's take Amazon, for example. They well, no, 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 we're not talking about Amazon now. We're talking about the the uh, platforms, right? You're talking about, like, uh, Facebook and Google and so forth. Sure. They get all kinds of tax incentives to, to keep their businesses in California and New York and all those kind of places. And those, and, and those tax incentives come from all of us. Hollywood. Well, they don't come from me because in my state, I so far, well, now we're going to be subsidizing... Uh, Amazon, but Facebook is, and uh, and the rest of them are not here, as far as I know. But Mark, like Hollywood, all the leftists in Hollywood, anywhere you want to shoot a movie in the United States, you get a tax incentive to do that. That's true. That's true. All right, good point, Rob. We'll be right back. Radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Few things can in your life can uh, change your entire outlook on the day. Call from your boss asking you to work the weekend. Early construction went outside your bedroom window in the morning you wanted to sleep in. Oh, these will ruin your day. How about when your check engine light comes on? That usually means thousands of dollars in repairs. That's why I have car shield on our 2010 Camaro. If your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code LEVIN, or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll save 10% either way. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or call 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN, 
a deductible may apply. James O'Keefe, how are you, my friend? Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on to discuss this very important story and, and issue. Well, we played the audio. Tell everybody about the story, why it's important, and update us with some breaking news. Yes. So the story, um, this is quite a bombshell report. And as the this is whistleblower inside Google who came to me, he was he, he I interviewed him in a silhouette, and he was telling me things that we all suspected to be true, but never were able to prove. And perhaps the most bombshell of all is the secret recording of this Google executive, Jen Janiyah is her name, and she talks about how Google needs to stay big, so they can influence the 2020 election and prevent the next quote Trump situation. Shockingly, these documents talk about algorithmic unfairness and a way of uh, changing reality that is unfair. So Google gets to define what is fair and unfair. Now there is a, a little bit of breaking news. Jen Janai just responded. She she wrote this article on TheMedium.com. This is the executive at Google, and she's saying, I'm going to quote her here, um, quote, I was having a casual chat with someone at a restaurant and used some imprecise language. Project Veritas got me well done. She also writes, I was explaining how Google's trust and safety team is working to help prevent the types of interference that happened in 2016. So she just landed, apparently. She was on an airplane coming from Ireland to San Francisco. She has just landed, turned on her phone, and got bombarded with a bunch of requests for comment. Mark, this story is very significant. Can I, can I just stop you? I don't even understand her point, which is you guys got her, but she wasn't really talking about Trump. She was talking about interference in the election. Well, then what does she mean you guys got her? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think we just got her, and there's nothing for, the, for her to say. Right. What's remarkable about this story is that it's not just a whistleblower. It's not just documents. It's recordings of executives. And this is, this is what it's all about. I mean, this is, this is more, more powerful than anything else, because if Google can tinker with their algorithms to define what they think is fair and make it political... This, this guy, this insider, Googled Hillary Clinton's emails, and then he Googled Donald Trump's emails, and what he showed me was that it doesn't autocorrect on one of them. It doesn't autocorrect on Hillary Clinton's emails. So it doesn't complete the sentence like it does with Donald Trump's emails when everybody is, is, is Googling Hillary Clinton's emails. So they're, they're actually able to tinker with the algorithm, and he proved it. This is a huge story, Mark. I've already heard from members of Congress they want to hold hearings. They want to mention these videos. It's all kind of breaking today. And I think this is a watershed moment because I think other whistleblowers are coming forward, and they have already come forward to me in the last few hours. So Google, based on what you're saying and what we're hearing, wants to participate in the, the election without saying they're really participating in the election against Donald Trump. Is that about right? That's right. The words from Jen Janai in this video, and I'm going to quote her, we all got screwed over in 2016. Everybody got screwed over, so we want to prevent it from happening again. We want to train our algorithms to have a different outcome. Her words. Her words. And she's a bigwig. She is the head of Google's innovation. She is a high-level executive. And this document, I'm going to read from the document. This is a document given to us by a Google whistleblower. It says, quote, in some cases, it may be appropriate to take no action if the Google system accurately affects reality, while in other cases, it may be desirable to consider how we might help society reach a more fair and equitable state via product intervention. Mm. It sounds like something out of a 
Orwell novel, but it's actually a direct quote from a confidential and privileged Google document. Let me ask you a question. You're like one of the few real investigative reporters out there. Um, Are you treated by the rest of the press like you're a member of the press? It's funny you mention that. Moments before I came on your show, a New York Times reporter was attacking me. (laughs) This is the New York Times reporter Charlie Warzo on Twitter saying that this video is contextless and thus not to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. I tweeted back at him. I said, hey, Charlie, you guys at the New York Times make your entire bread and butter off quoting people anonymously where we can't see or hear any of their voices or any context at all. And then this guy, Charlie, says um, other attacks against me. And I say, you, criticize the, you don't criticize the network news broadcast where standard video pieces are one minute and 45 seconds long. You criticize us because that is your prejudice against us. There is more context, Mark, in this 25-minute video than all the network news broadcasts combined. And they have one job, and that's to ask Google one question, because they're saying they're interfering in an election. And I say, ask them, what, what did she mean by what she said? And they won't even do that. So, Mark, no, I, I think citizens have to do the journalism. I don't think we can depend upon uh, the blue check mark uh, brigade, uh, a.k.a. mainstream press. We have to you, do it you ourselves, know, and that's what we're doing. You know, James, what's amazing about what you say, because now that I've written my book on freedom of the press, I went back to the Holocaust. This line about unsubstantiated and out of context. Do you know they used that throughout the Holocaust? I believe it. And they didn't report on the Holocaust. The extent they did, they pushed it to the back pages. They used the same arguments. You're handing them a tape with words on it, 25 minutes, any transcription. And, and for you to come on this show and perhaps other shows and play it for the world to hear and for this one reporter to say... You know, it doesn't have context. We're not sure what, what's meant by this and so forth and so on. The lack of curiosity, the lack of any interest whatsoever in following up is really, it says it all. It just says it all about the New York Times. And, I, and, I, and just so on the record, just so that your audience knows this, they may not know, I have been sued. I don't settle lawsuits. I litigated a recent case all the way to a jury trial, and I won on a directed verdict. And, and that was a defamation case. I never misquote people. I never take people out of context. But because I'm not a credentialed journalist, they think that the, the First Amendment doesn't apply to me. But let me tell you something. I will go under oath and defend these recordings. I will not give up the insider, but I will go under oath to defend. The, I never take anybody out of context. This person has responded. This Google executive just responded and said they got me. So if you can name one edit or something I've printed that was false or something untrue, then name it to New York Times reporter Charlie Wartzel. But don't attack me. Don't attack, do your jobs. I say to these guys, do your jobs. Ask Google questions. But they're afraid, Mark. They're either in fear or favor, as they like to say. They're either afraid of Google or they're in favor of what they're doing. And that's not journalism. That's not, that's not journalism. So we have to do the job. And my call to action for your audience is if you're on the inside, if you're a source, reach out to us. Don't complain about the media. Reach out to Project Veritas. It's Veritas Tips at ProtonMail.com, and I'll work with you. And let's make this a moment. Let's, let's have a watershed moment where sources and insiders can blow the whistle and tell the truth about what's going on. Keep at it, baby. You're doing a great job. We much appreciate it. What is your overall website? Address. It's Project Veritas. That's V E R I T A S dot com. Project Veritas dot com is the website. 
and uh, videos coming incredibly viral. And uh, do you do you need donations and support from the audience? We're a, we're a tax deductible, tax exempt charitable organization. We have no advertisers. Nobody puts pressure on us. So yes, we we could use your financial support. Send us ten bucks, hundred bucks at projectveritas.com, and and we'll keep going. Mr. Producer, put up on my social site, supportprojectveritas.com. Just leave it at that, and people will go onto the website and hopefully support your activities. Thank you, sir. We much appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Thank All you. right. Be well. This guy is, uh, is fearless, isn't he? And I think he needs our support, quite frankly. Absolutely fearless. I'm glad he's out there. Makes a huge difference. Let's see here. Derek, Red Band, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go right ahead. Hi, good evening, Mark. I can't believe I'm on with the great one. What an honor. Um, My pleasure. Red Bank. I think I said Red Band. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. I don't love New Jersey, to be honest with you. Um, I I am a diehard listener. Before I get to my point, I just want to quickly say I bought on the day your dad died. It broke my heart. But before I even knew that, I actually bought six of his books that day. You were out for a week at that point. I had a bad feeling. I kind of felt like I knew what was happening. I bought uh, three of the uh, Our Police, three of the Proverbs, gave it to my nephews, my daughter. And, you know, I just want to say what a a great family. And we have a very long history of family, uh, military service in the family. I come from a family of police officers. This means a lot to us. And I'll tell you, I am beyond disgusted and revolted by what I see day in and day out in the media. I yeah. called today after you played the clip about Chuck Todd. Um, before you even cut uh, to back to live and you asked us what we thought, I was already, I was working out and I actually doubled my heart rate. I was, I was going into a fury because I see this every day. Not only does he cut off the president, but then he gives him a directive. Tell them now. Tell them now. Are you kidding me? Neil Monroe asked Obama if he could ask a question. His question was, can I ask a question in the Rose Garden? And not only was he chastised by Obama himself when he finally came to a pause after his mm-hmm. soliloquy, but then, you know, the other reporters beat him down, and I don't think he was ever able to ask a question again. You know, it, it's just outrageous how we see the one-sided, manipulative nature of this, you know, uh, absurdly... Uh, look how they propaganda. treat O'Keefe here. Oh, okay. look, how, look how the New York Times treats O'Keefe. You want to talk about context? How about when they play the, uh, they were fine people on both sides out of context? How about mm-hmm. that? Just play 40 seconds after that when he mm-hmm. clearly denounces the side that they're trying to claim he supports. Joe Biden launched his, 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 his uh, presidential run on that? Are you kidding me? That is the epitome of uh, out of context. You know, it, it, I, can't watch, I can't watch the news anymore. I listen to Mark Levin. I pick and choose a few other sources. I get you on the app. I get you on SiriusXM. My, my mom has been telling me for years, you've got to listen to this guy, Mark Levin. You know, I'm slowly acquiring your books, and uh, what an education. And this is the only place we're going to get the real news and real information, what's relevant. It's, it's astounding. What, I, what worries me about this, you know, O'Keefe and, and other things like uh, Professor Epstein had brought up, that not only Google has outwardly said they're never going to allow this to happen again. So not only is Google manipulating their searches and, and you know, YouTube is, is uh, silencing conservatives, but the press we know isn't covering any of the bad stuff on the other side. It's just an onslaught, an absolute onslaught of leftism. And how are we going to overcome that? 
I mean, we just have to stay tough and be diligent. You know, we have to keep getting the word out. I voted for you the maximum amount of times in the Hall of Fame. There's no way. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I honestly don't think, I think this was your only shot. After this book, there's no chance you would ever get in again. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just greatly honored. I'm glad I was re- able to reach you. This was my first time calling the show. Um, I, I love Dan Bongino. Oh, my God. I think it's great that you had him substitute on, and now I've become a big fan of his. And he'll, and, he'll be uh, in again this, uh, this coming week, as will the other guys. Yeah, Dan's a, a wonderful friend. He's a tremendous broadcaster. He's really so my, turned my into great, something. My great-grandparents came from fascist Germany over to this mm-hmm. great country, and immediately my great-grandfather served in both World War I and World War II, 40 years of service. He painted his house the, the, with Navy, uh, the, the, the same gray paint that they use on Navy ships. That's how much he loved the country and loved mm-hmm. his service. And then we've had generation after generation, okay? My brother was over overseas two weeks after September 11th. And I'll tell you something. What I see happening now, the way they denigrate the military, the way they denigrate our police, when it doesn't suit them, the way, you know, they're trashing the... How about the way they quote the foreign minister of Iran? Uh, I mean, I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you, exactly. I mean, no one says it better than the great one. I, you know, I, I'm at a loss for words because I'm actually realizing that I'm speaking to you. So, um, oh, you're very... <laughs> I know it's long. <laughs> I'll tell you what, don't hang up. I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Call again. You're tremendous, incredibly articulate. I really appreciate you and your patriot family. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I hear all these Democrats talking about Medicare for all when they're not talking about Medicare at all. I heard Bernie Sanders do this, this I guess it was yesterday. They're talking about a government-run national health care system with a very deceptive name. And this is what they do. They lie. Likewise, when you hear the term binding arbitration, sounds pretty good, right? For drug pricing? No, it's not. It's not what it sounds like. Binding arbitration is a cost-focused, not-care-focused system when unelected bureaucrats will decide for America's seniors who rely on Medicare if a drug is too expensive for them to have. That's your binding arbitration. The effect will be the permanent and binding price controls I've been warning you about, like the European socialist healthcare models. Binding arbitration will deny patients the latest and best treatments. Imagine the nightmare of having unelected government bureaucrats deny your sick child or parent the drug that would save them because it was deemed too expensive. Fortunately, Americans have access to the most innovative drugs because up until now we've had a free market. But if dumb ideas like government-set price controls are imposed, we won't. Binding arbitration is drug price controls. The same bad idea under another name. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Barry, Dunnellan, Florida. The great WSKY. How are you? Fine, Mark, and God bless you. Thank you for uh, your book, your signed book. Uh, I really enjoy it. You You know, I have a very long memory. It was Eric Schmidt, the CEO of Google, who was in Obama's White House during the election uh, campaign time, so often that it was written that he had an office there. Oh, yeah. And he was providing them with the analytics and all the demographics and all the intrusions that they made into our personal lives, and then... Obama's people, his political people, his technical staff, were uh, were called geniuses for what they did. And on Project Veritas, 
Boy, I'm telling you, when I first saw them on TV, when they interviewed that guy, Mr. Kramer from Chicago, who helped to organize all the all right. attacks on Trump attendees mm -hmm. uh, during the primary campaign, mm -hmm. God bless them all. I agree with you. Thank you, Barry. As usual, good call, my friend. Kelly, Denver, Colorado, the great KNUS country. Go right ahead. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for taking my call. I have learned so, so much from you. I mean, you are thank absolutely you. brilliant, and I so appreciate it. I really do. <laughs> thank I, you. I just want to say, as far as regarding the Chuck Todd interview, I honestly, I feel that that really wasn't an interview. It was more of an interrogation. Mm -hmm. And the, the only thing that was missing was the spotlight and him being waterboarded. I just, it was very disrespectful and very disgusting. And honestly, if he was working at any other company, he would get fired for that kind of conduct. It was just absolutely wrong. He hates the president. It's obvious. He hates the president. He has nothing but disdain. And that's something else about the media. If you really hate somebody, you shouldn't be reporting on that person, now should you? Absolutely. I completely agree. And Chuck Todd, he just has absolutely no character, and he's, He's, he's really just a creepy guy. He's a Democrat. His wife is a Democrat. She's uh, a paid Democrat consultant. And none of this matters to anybody except us. Uh, yeah, exactly. And one thing, too, as far as I know that everybody is talking about Google, and uh, but I also want to make a comment as far as regarding Twitter. I'm, I'm out of time, but you know what? You're a great call. Mr. Call Screener, please get Kelly's number. We'll call her back tomorrow. Folks, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Harry, get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. You see how everybody's talking about it? I'm not asking them to. It's very, very crucial. And I will see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful evening. God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.